Please turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 3. We have um, begun to look at verses 4 through 10, and I'm saying begun to look at them because there's so much in them. And uh, I raced through a lot of it last week. I usually say I, I don't want to do a review, but today I'm going to do one. I'm sorry, okay, because there were some things that I added to uh, what I ministered to last, last week, and I think they're, they're important enough to bring to your attention. So what I'm going to do is just go through these verses again, or basically just go through what I did last week with additions. Amen? Okay, so when I get to stuff you know, I'll just move on. But when I get to stuff you don't know, I'm going to stay there for a minute. All right, so beginning in First John chapter 3, let me read from verses 4 through 10, just so you get the idea of what's going on here and what's being spoken about. The Apostle John writes and he says, Whosoever commits sin transgresses also the law, or literally commits lawlessness. For sin is the transgression of the law. Verse 5, And you know that he, that is Jesus Christ, was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Verse 6, Whoever abides in him sins not, or doesn't sin. Whoever sins has not seen him, nor known him. Verse 7, Little children, let no one deceive you. He or she that does, literally practices righteousness, is righteous, even as he is righteous. Verse 8, this is the one that makes everybody sweat. He that commits, he or she that commits sin is of the devil. Everybody goes, oh dear God, I'm sunk. <laughs> okay. It says, for the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. We're going to spend a long time on that verse. Verse 9, whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, but his seed remains in him or her, and they cannot sin because they are born of God. Finally, verse 10, in this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil, whosoever does not righteousness is not of God, neither they, they that love not their brother or sister. Okay, listening to those verses, you think, I am sunk. There's no way I'm going to live this kind of life. And, you know, I <laughs> dealt with this last week. I, I, I did want to skip over this section. Me and the Lord had a long talk. And uh, I lost. So <laughs> anyway. Uh, but, you know, the more I began to study it, the more I began to understand everything in God's Word has a purpose. And if it is read right, and this is what the problem is, a lot of the commentators go off on this in a very negative um, vein, you know, so to speak. And the problem again was that there was no understanding of what was actually being said here. Um, it's very sad when people sort of pull things apart when they haven't actually looked not just at the context but the heart of the person that is writing all of this. Amen? And you know, this is the apostle of love. This is the apostle John. Amen? And I think, you know, again, the re as I said before, the reason that we're looking at this is because this guy just couldn't be killed. This one refused to be martyred. They tried and they failed every single time. Amen? And so, you know, the more I studied his stuff, the more I began to realize why. This man knew some very powerful truths. And this is one of those truths. And, and it has really blessed me looking at these things. So I want to share them with you. And like I said again, we're just going through the epistle of John. Uh, because it is just so powerful uh, and practical. It gives you sort of the duality of both, uh, you know, how to view things heaven, from a heavenly perspective and also from an earthly perspective. And how the two work together and how the one overrides the other. 
Amen. Amen. So we, and we need to know how to appropriate this in our life. And that's the reason why we're going through these verses. So hang with me because it is actually fantastic news. This isn't what you think it says, it's saying. Does that make sense? Did I get that right? I don't know if I got that right. Anyway, my English is not very good some days. Okay, so, <laughs> all right. <laughs> so, remember again last time, I said that there are two keys we need in order to understand what's being said here. The first key was to realize that the Apostle John is actually addressing two uh, groups of people in two different ways. Okay, so remember that. Two groups, two different ways. Okay? All right. First, he's letting believers know what to look for in false teachers in what they teach. And why he says in verse 7, let no one deceive. You see, that's why that comes up. Because he's dealing with something very specific here. See, as much as the Apostle John, let me give you this insight. As much as the Apostle John loves his congregation, he hates those that would try and deceive them. Amen. Do you get this now? Okay, so how do you deal with that subject? How do you deal with don't get led astray? How do you deal with the fact that what they're doing is very bad? I'm just giving all this away now, okay? If you think in those terms, you'll begin to understand why he gives no quarter to the other side. Because if he said at any point in time, yeah, they're bad, but maybe they're not so bad. So if you want to go, and if you want to get deceived, and if you want to go to hell, it's okay. (laughs) Amen. Are you with me? How would you deal with that? Well, that's exactly what he's doing right now. That's and see, this is <clears throat> it's because it's because commentators didn't realize that he was actually dealing with those people, those that would come to deceive, those that left, those that he said at the beginning were not of us. Had they been of us, they would have stuck with us. But because they left, we know they weren't of us. You understand? Of us meaning they weren't real Christians. They looked like them, they sounded like them, but they weren't. In this case, something that sounded like a duck wasn't a duck. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? Okay, so he's trying to say, listen, there's something, and this is what I want to bring out today, there, there are things that you can see in their life that will expose them for who they really are. Are you all with me? So we're going to look at that today, so let me just get on with this. Uh, I, I really want to help you out here so you're not sweating you know, blood, okay? <laughs> As I'm going through this and thinking, dear God, this, this is really hard. All right. Uh, and I pray with all sincerity that this blesses you. I pray that you get an insight into something that will stop you from stepping out into things that kind of may not look exactly right. You know what I'm trying to say? But, you know, it's not that bad. But a little bit here and a little bit there is how the devil gets you out. Are you all with me? It, as somebody once said, you know, as the Bible says, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. You know why? Because we excuse ourselves on, of little things. And after a while, you excuse yourself of something little enough, and it's way out there somewhere, and you don't realize how far you've got off course, just as much, and can I put it in a positive way, just as much as, you know, when you, when you make little adjustments to get back into God, and get back into His will. And they're just little things. But dear God, in a year, you, you won't realize how far into God you, you really are now. And you may not even realize it because it's, it's a little thing from last week to this week. But over a course of 52 weeks, 
somebody will notice. <laughs> you know, somebody will say, man, you ain't the same anymore. Are you all with me? So this is again the, why the Apostle John is saying, listen, you need to stay away from certain people. Are you all with me now? And he's saying, because you, this sin, and we'll, we'll talk about the sin again, that sin is, is, you don't want to take part in those kind of sins. See, there are some sins in our life, and let me share this with you as well. There are some sins in our life, you know, we do the wrong thing, and you know, spit on the sidewalk, whatever. You know what I'm trying to say? And we think, oh, sorry God, I shouldn't have done that. Okay, whatever. I'm using something that hopefully isn't pulling anybody's file right now. But, you know, if you do something, you know, something that you know is wrong, and you know, it isn't anything to do with denying Jesus. Are you all with me? This is to do with things that you get wrong in your life and you're messing up all over the place. That's 1 John 1, 9. But when we get to 1 John 3, 5, it's a whole nother deal. He is dealing with people and we're going to be looking at that verse following this verse. He is going to be dealing with people. And that's why people get mixed up with these verses. He is dealing with people that have denied Jesus, have got led so astray that they're just outside of God almost. They're still God's kids, but boy, you couldn't tell by the way they think, not just their behavior, but by the way they think and the resulting behavior from that kind of thinking. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, so you know, I'm not talking about a, you know, a believer that smokes and drinks and cusses, okay? <laughs> yeah, don't do those things. All right, but I'm not talking about, the, I'm talking about one that starts talking about stuff that you think, my gosh, are you saved? Are you all here? Okay. For those people... There is still forgiveness. That's what 1 John 3, 5 is going to be all about. Okay, so let's, let's back to this. Are, are you good now? Can I go? Okay, all right. I, I, I stop only because I feel there's still problems. All right? <laughs> now I think we're good. Okay. <laughs> so once again, the first thing, for first key was to let believers know what to look for in false teachers and let them know that no matter how skilled they may have been at deceiving them, there is still one thing they just cannot hide. See, this is a problem that we have sometimes, is that we think, well, how do we know we're led astray? How do we know that person, you know, isn't uh, a godly person? You know, how do we know they're off track somewhere? Watch this, all right? Is that the fruit they produce in their life in the form of behavior cannot be hidden. Are you with me? And which fits in perfectly what Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 and 16, when he said, beware of false prophets. I'm in Matthew 7, 15 first. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. Notice, sheep's clothing. Do you understand sheep's clothing? Like a believer. That's a sheep. Okay. But notice there, they look like a believer. All right, sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Do you understand what a ravenous wolf does? They come to, to devour the sheep. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So they will do everything to destroy a believer. They look like a believer, which is why you trust them, and they take advantage of that trust to lead you astray. Do you, you all get all that? And that's why he says in verse 16, but you will know them by their fruit. <laughs> okay? No matter what they say, no matter how they look, Something that cannot hide is their fruit. Isn't that interesting? Do you understand why? Do you remember when Jesus said anybody that doesn't produce fruit, okay, godly fruit, he cuts, he prunes, he does all of those things too? Which means that they can't produce anything godly. If they're ungodly, there's no godly fruit going to come out. 
That's why, you know, James, I think it was James that said, you know, you can't get sweet water from a bitter fountain or bitter water from a sweet, you know, all those sort of things. He's sort of saying, listen, what comes out on the outside reflects what's on the inside. And no matter how, what, you know, no matter what somebody might say, no matter how well they may speak, no matter how convincing they may be, watch their life. Because the life will tell. Amen? Okay. Moving on. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll deal more on this when we get to it, by the way. The second key to understanding this passage of Scripture is to understand the meaning of two particular Greek words, only one of which we'll use in these verses. Remember I talked about this last time, okay? Uh, remember the first one, the first Greek word, and I won't go through all the, the, the explanations today, but remember the first Greek word talked about just an outward act. Okay, that's, you know, that's when you copy someone. Uh, you know, today we, were, we had music. Okay, Tina wrote the songs. Okay, well, some of them anyway. Okay, and everybody else copied her. They didn't come up with the song. They copied, they just watched, uh, or they got sheet music and they just copied. It was a G, they played a G. It was an A, they played an A. Do you know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> okay, I, I'm just making a point here, okay? All right, <laughs> but that, you understand copying. Do you understand if, now... Whatever that song was saying didn't come from the people that copied her. They came from her. Now I'm using this in a positive sense just to show you something. Okay. Right? So you can see her heart in what you sing. You can't, you know, you can't look at Sarah and Sarah's written songs herself, okay? But you can't look at Sarah and, and, and say, oh, Sarah, that's an awesome song. Sarah go, well, I'm just copying her, man. She's the one that wrote it. She gave me the music, I just played it. What I have to do is learn how to play it, <laughs> okay? And you know what? Some believers are very good at copying unbelievers. In fact, they're so good that some people can't tell the difference. Hello. Yeah, okay. I spun on that one, didn't I? Okay. <laughs> do you see what I'm trying to say? Amen. As much as, you know, as much as we can see, you know, the beautiful heart that Chrissy has and the heart she has toward God in the songs that she's writing and that we get to enjoy, we can also see when people do that, you know, if somebody is out there that is not of God, what will come out from them will reflect what's in them. Can I say to you, don't copy them? Because this is exactly what the Apostle John is saying. Don't copy them. You see, the, the words here that we're going to actually see today are actually describing the second Greek word is the one that he uses, which is why we know that it's not about believers. The second Greek word that, that he, he uses means something that is produced from an inward nature. Okay? So he's talking about sin that comes from an inward nature. Do you understand? Now remember, as far as we're concerned, remember the Apostle John began all of this by saying, Beloved, now are we children of God. In other words, he's saying your nature is changed. Your father is different. Okay? And he made that point before he got into this, because this was just uh, two verses away. He made that point, so we would kind of go, Oh my God, what's going on here? Okay? He established the fact, Do you understand your kids? You're God's kids. Now, let me tell you something. And so he's now going to tell him something else. And he's going to, at the end, say, as God's kids, please don't be a part of that. Get it? Okay. In other words, the Apostle John was making sure that his congregation knew whose they were. 
And as the Apostle Peter put it so well in 1 Peter 2.23, or 1.23, excuse me, they had nothing to fear being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed, by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. It doesn't leave you in the middle. Okay, it abides in you forever. Isn't that good news? Amen? Okay. It was in reference to this new birth that the Apostle Paul, remember again, said in uh, 2 Corinthians 5, verses 17 and 18, Therefore, if anyone's in, anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Again, bringing out the fact that something in you has changed. Remember, new creation is something that never existed before. Amen? And so he's saying that what's in you now is something brand new. And he goes on to say, all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And he said, I love the next part. He says, all things are of God. Do you understand what that means? It means there's nothing in there that's messed up. Amen? It is in there. It is yours forever. I said to you before, you know, people say, well, what, if, what happens if I lose my salvation? That takes a lot of, lot of work. Don't go there. The only way, uh, let me just put this out there. The only way you can lose it is the way you gain it. Which is what the Apostle John is talking about in these verses. How do you become saved? You receive Jesus Christ as Lord. Do you know how you can become unsaved? If knowingly, not because you had a really bad day. And you said, I don't want you anymore. None of that works. Okay, that won't, I told you it takes a lot of work to get unsaved. Okay, but do you know why? Because it's a miracle. It's an absolute miracle. Because you are born again. Are you all with me? Remember, <laughs> remember Nicodemus? He said, oh, how can I enter my mother's womb again? I was thinking the mother going, oh, there's no way you're getting back in there. <laughs> well, hard enough getting you out when you were this small. You know? <laughs> okay, you know what I'm trying to say? Listen, that's how hard it is to get unborn again. Get it? Okay, so it's a very difficult thing to do, and you need to understand, oh boy, that was loud, okay, <laughs> that's a very difficult thing to do, and you need to understand that the only way that you can get out is if knowingly you deny Jesus Christ, knowing what's already there, knowing all, of all the miracles, knowing of God's love, and that you want something else in spite of all of that. There's a very few people that go down that road. Very few. Do you understand? So please don't just worry about yourself needing to get saved every week. Amen? Okay. <laughs> but what's of greatest significance about all this as a result of being born again, which is what I wanted to bring to you today, uh, of incorruptible seed and being a brand new creation of God, is what the Apostle uh, Paul goes on to say in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. He says, for we are, we are His workmanship, Created in Christ Jesus, notice the next two words, or three words, for good works. See, everything the Apostle John is going to be talking about with these unbelievers, with these false teachers, okay, they're not just unbelievers, they're false teachers, alright, is that their works are not good. Their outward actions are not good. Their fruit is not good. Do you see something significant here that you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus, for good works. Amen? You are not designed for anything but good works. That's why I said the most miserable person on the planet is a sinning Christian. <laughs> because you are going against your design. Do you get this now? It is in your nature to do the right thing. Because it changed. 
Even though you might have habits that want to override that nature, please don't let them. It might take a while and a lot of forgiveness, okay, to get from there to here, but work at it. Keep going. Amen? Okay. In other words, our new nature is to produce good works. And anything contrary to this will weigh heavily on our conscience and make us miserable, as I said, until we decide to repent of it. And you can repent of it. Isn't that good news? Amen. It is these kind of Christians that we, uh, that the Apostle Paul made reference to, and I looked at last week in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, when he said, Brethren, I could not speak to you as spiritual, but as carnal. Remember? Babes in Christ. So there is such a thing as a carnal Christian. So we've seen that because there are some people out there that think if you do something wrong, you are not saved anymore. You need to get saved again. And they don't know what a carnal Christian is. But there is such a thing as a carnal Christian. Not a spiritual one, a carnal one. Okay? And even though we might be, you know, um, really questioning whether they got saved. I mean really saved. What I'm trying to say, okay? Were they re- you know, was it a real decision? You know, we all we come up with all of these things because you look at them and you think, dear Lord, gee, really? <sighs> That's not a Christian. I want to slap that. <laughs> Hello, but the Apostle Paul <laughs> says, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a Christian. I know it doesn't look like one, but it is. It's just very carnal. What do you need to do with that? Don't slap it. Pray for it. A lot. Amen. Okay. So, uh, verse 3 in 1 Corinthians 3, he says, For you are still carnal, for there, where there are envy, strife, divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men or mere people? Okay? Normal people. All right. So, all, with all of this in mind, let's, uh, how much time do I have? <laughs> okay. Now, let's move on to first <laughs> John chapter 3 and verse 4. Let's begin there. So, he says here, Whosoever commits sin. Now, again, you need to understand, he is not talking about people. See, this is why I gave you all of that so you can understand this now, okay? He is not talking about people copying sin. Do you get this now? He is talking about people that commit sin from an inward nature. Are you with me? Okay, so... Listen now, with that in mind, all right? Notice he says, whoever commits sin, all right? So he's talking now about false teachers. This is not about you. This is again why everybody gets so messed up and mixed up here. He's, now listen with that in mind, okay? He says, whoever commits sin, all right? People that are producing sin from an inward nature transgresses also the law. Do you get this now? Remember when the apostle John talked about Antichrist? All right, And he talked about, you know, that there are many antichrists now, and they're out in the world. Do you all remember that? Ten minutes. Okay. <laughs> I'm doing my best here, all right? Now I'm sweating. All right. <laughs> all right. When he talked about that, uh, in fact, let me just share this with you. First John chapter 2. Let's go there very quickly. First John chapter 2. Simon J. Kissimaka says this. He says, John describes a person who persistently sins because he is in the power of the evil one. Okay? All right. In other words, this is not talking about the body of Christ and by extension a child of God, but all those who are in opposition to God and which the Apostle John had already warned us about in 1 John chapter 2. And I'm going to read verses 18 through 22 very quickly. It says, Little children, it is the last hour, and you have, as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. I'll talk to you about the the law in a minute, okay? 
because this all relates to it. He says, uh, even now, many antichrists have come by which we know that it is the last hour. Okay? So remember again, the word antichrist means people that are opposed to and against Christ. That's what antichrist means, by the way, okay, in these verses. All right, verse 19. He says, they went out from us, but they, no, they were not of us. Remember this, okay? For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be manifest that none of them were of us. That's their fruit. Get it? Remember? You, can, you will know them by their fruit. Okay. Verse 20, he says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. I love this. As much as the Apostle John warns us, he always then says, but you are superior to that. (laughs) Amen? He says, don't let that come and influence you. You need to be the influence, in fact, to wherever you go. Don't be one of those people that just cowers every time you see, oh, it's a den of sin, I'm going somewhere else. Yeah, that's a good thing. Run away from things that, you know, will entice you. But at the same time, remember, you are the light of the world. Amen. And sometimes people need your light. You're meant to be a city that is set on a hill, not one that's hidden in a bushel. Just saying. Anyway, moving on. But he says again, but you have an anointing, I mean, uh, 1 John 2.20, from the Holy One and you know all things. Now remember again that know all things doesn't mean you don't have to go to church. Okay? (laughs) It means you have an unction on the inside. The Spirit of God will tell you when something is off. Listen to that, please. Don't reason your way out of it. Do you get it? We are so good at that. Especially when we want something. And God says, no, and we go, well, you know, I'm sure this is not God because. <laughs> and we say, get thee behind me, Satan. It was God. All right. All right. Uh, verse 21. He says, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. And that no lies of the truth. Verse 22. Watch this now. Who is a liar? Here it is. But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Do you what? This is what the law he's talking about. When he says transgresses the law, it's this kind of law. The one that says that Jesus is the Christ. Are you all with me now? And so these are the kind of people that the Apostle John is referring to again when he says whosoever commits sin transgresses also the law. Which in the literal text actually says that they commit lawlessness. Are you getting all of this? Alright, because why do you need to know all this? I know you want to come here and you know, know how to use your faith and everything. But can I say this? That if you don't know what to stay away from, there are things that will come and affect your faith, that will affect your heart. That will cause you to get off course and then nothing will work in your life. That's why the Apostle John is sharing all this with us. So that we can get to the place where he says, whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. See, we're going to get to that. And he says, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Okay, so we need to understand, in order for that to happen, that's in 1 John 5, okay? That's the last chapter. We got to go through all these chapters in order to get to the place where none of this stuff is getting in the way. Amen. Where we're in a good position and everything is just clicking. Hallelujah. Okay. How many minutes? Okay. So... (laughs) Thomas F. Johnson writes this. He says, the author's emphasis is on continuous, listen, habitual commission uh, of sin as a way of life. Not occasional, occasional or unintentional sin. See, 
How can you do that? How can you commit sin all the time? I mean, even the best sinner would have trouble with that one. I'm just saying, you know, somewhere they come up for air. You know what I'm trying to say? I'm just saying. It is very hard to commit sin all the time unless the sin is denying Jesus Christ. See, that then becomes a continual thing. Because it's a lifestyle. Do you get it? Okay. Please see, you need to see this in order to understand this. Okay. All right. Moving on. Uh, he says here in 1 John 1 7 through 1 John 2 2, he already acknowledged that believers commit sin. See? Okay. And that the way to deal with them is to be confessing them and to be receiving God's forgiveness. But continuous, deliberate sinning breaks the law. Okay. Or practices lawlessness. And it's a, it's a very particular Greek word, by the way, that is being used here. I don't want to say it, but it's, it's, it's A-N-O-M-I-A. It's a very particular word because when you see what that word is, you begin to understand that it has roots not in you doing the wrong thing, but in the devil opposing God. Ongoing unconfessed sin is lawlessness, rebellion, and attitude, evidence in action that does not respect God's standards. When we combine all this what, what the apostle, uh, with what the Apostle John said about Antichrist in 1 John chapter 2, we begin to understand that the sin these people are continually committing, and more importantly, how they can commit sin continually without repenting, is if their sin against is, uh, again, is denying that Jesus Christ is Lord. Get it? Okay, right. Three minutes. That's why the Apostle John goes on to say, uh, at the end of verse 4, for sin is the transgression of the law. All right. To further confirm all of this, in his commentary, I. Howard Marshall writes, it has been suggested, here we go, that the Greek word used here for law has a different connotation. It is used in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 7, to describe the man of lawlessness, okay, who will be opposed to Christ at his second coming. This and other references suggest that the word associated with the final outbreak of evil against Christ and that it signifies rebellion against the will of God. Do you get this now? Okay, so it's, it's showing us that this is the kind of lawlessness that he's talking about. To commit this sin is thus to place oneself on the side of the devil and the antichrist and to stand in opposition to Christ. Okay. Do we now understand, okay, why he says that when you commit this sin, it transgresses the law. And he's not talking about the Mosaic law now. He's saying that this is the law of God. Amen. And this, is, this, and this stands in direct opposition to God himself. So this again goes to prove that the Apostle John is in no way addressing sinning Christians. But people we would identify as antichrists who are continually spreading their false teaching everywhere they go without any thought of repentance. Do we get this? Do we now understand why he is so strong about not following them and where their end is? Why he says they that sin in this way are of the devil. Do you get this now? Because they are a part of the devil's family. They are a part, they are going to be Counted with those that oppose Jesus Christ. Amen. And by extension, God's whole kingdom. So I think it's fantastic when I read through these verses now. Now it's okay to go read them. I told you don't read them now, until now. Okay, I told you I'll give you some keys. And then you can go and read verses 4 through 10. 
now you have enough to read those verses without freaking out and understanding what is actually going on and getting some true revelation on those verses. Amen? Because when you begin to read this now in this light, you begin to understand why the, the Apostle John says, don't get led astray by them. In other words, he's saying, don't be deceived by them. What they're doing is horrible. It is, it is a very, very bad thing. And you don't want to be involved in any of that because at the end of the day, they are standing in opposition to God himself and you don't want to do that. Not as one of his own kids. Amen? Let's, have, let, let's stop there for today. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word and we thank you, Father, for the, all the wisdom and revelation and insight that you have brought to us. And Father, we thank you that as we receive this wisdom, Father,